Um, but also, it's uh, Colin Spall's birthday as well. Oh. Yes. And uh, I'll be in good company next weekend. Yeah. Ah. Colin Spall's birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Spall. Good day. Yep, the only man to shake hands with the both of us. Isn't that right, Dave? Indeed, it is. Uh, that's uh, our little picture that we've got up on the Cutlam uh, Facebook page. It's one of me looking like a chipmunk. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's my Billy Piper impersonation. Yeah, that's it. All right. Also joining us on audio, it's Jeff, the Seventh Doctor. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ian. I'm just hanging around here by my umbrella. Well, there you go. <laughs> Bit of a cold reception, then, huh? Mm, yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. Worst cliffhanger ever. Um, anyway, moving swiftly onwards <laughs> to the telephones. Kobo is here. Hello, Kobo. Hey, Ian, how are you? Good, thank you very much. Very much, sir. Glad you can come along today. How are you, Dave? Fine, indeed. Thank you very much for asking. Good to have you here. And finally, on the telephone, it's Mr. Cuddly Ken. Hello, Ken. Hi, Ian. Hi, Dave. So glad to be here today. Right. And I think I know my name. Oh. Are you sure? Just whisper it. Hang on, hang on. Starts with a K. Sounds like Cuddly. Might be Ken. Yes, indeed. I'm glad you told us. Hey, Oh, a door opened. (laughs) Come in. Oh, dear, 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 dear. All right. <laughs> when one door opens, a cone of silence closes. Yes, it's time to lower the cone. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? What? All right. Yes. Let's see who's under the cone today. Let's join us in the text chat. Kurt Blanche is here. Uh, Enterprise Who? Jedi Justice Mad Hal is here. Uh, Mr. Randall Thor is, uh, is uh, sitting down comfortably. Supper Salmon is here. Time Lord 2525. Uh, 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 Mr. T. McKinnon. Hopefully it might uh, be on uh, audio later. We'll see. Tom Baker's old scarf is here. Willis Girl is here. Hopefully she'll come on audio too. And let's see. We have guest 10, guest 12, guest 5, 6, 7, 9. And, of course, looking after them all is our very own Cybob. So, yes, that's everybody. Except the typing monkey. It's news time. Go, Tiger Monkey, monkey go. go! They're all over it. They're all over it. Yeah, we nearly uh, stopped that one, but there you go. <laughs> all right. Uh, one, one major piece of news is that the BBC has officially confirmed that Doctor Who has been recommissioned for a new series. The eight. The series returned in 2005 and 34 since the series began in 1963. The official website has revealed that the show's lead writer and executive producer Stephen Moffat, Moffat, I like to say it, is already working on the new series and plotting a new run of Adventures for the Doctor. The series is expected to start filming at the end of 2013 or the beginning of 2014, which suggests a transmission date of autumn 2014. 
website also looks ahead to the 50th anniversary later this year and promises big plans are being put in place that will well and truly celebrate the Doctor's half century. So is it going to be Matt or uh, Matt has also confirmed that he will be back. He will be back. Despite what everybody has said on Gallifrey Brave Base over the past year. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure they're still right. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how could they be wrong? Right. Yeah, how could they be wrong? <laughs> All right, and that's about it for news. I mean, we were going to do birthdays here, but of course um, we've done them already. So uh, it's time to, to, to move swiftly could, on to... Could I uh, just interject one tiny bit of news? Because we do have another major event in our remit that's happening, and I think we should probably just quickly mention a couple of things. First of all, Iron Man 3 has now passed the $1 billion mark. That's a pretty big deal to talk about. Uh, and the second thing is, of course, how well Star Trek Into Darkness, now that it has been released in the United States, is doing. And it is looking like we don't have today's figures obviously yet because today's not over uh, but it looks like it's going to do probably at least 80 million for the weekend uh, which is pretty impressive um, and after this weekend basically it will be the number three is that right will it be the number three star trek film no not quite it'll probably be, still remain number four it could, though. It could go more than the total gross of Star Trek First Contact in just the first weekend, uh, which would make it the number three film in the franchise behind only Voyage Home and 2009 Star Trek. But certainly one would think by next weekend it will be behind only Star Trek 2009. So it's got a very good, solid start. And uh, hopefully I'll get to see it at some point. But both of those, actually, Iron Man as well. <laughs> we don't get out much. Babysitters, you know. Yes. Thank you very much for that, Darth. Indeed, right. sir. If, uh, <clears throat> not a problem. Um, if you would like to be involved with the Colton Collective, here's how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the Collective and participate yourself? Or on TalkShoe, call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the Shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. And there you have it. Um, I was hoping that uh, the Tigs would be here today, but uh, uh, no sign yet. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's early days. It's early days. All right, Dave, uh, it's all on to you and uh, to, to, to bring us into our topic at hand, which is, of course, the name of the Doctor. Okay, thanks Great. for that. Um, I, I'll play the uh, I'll play the first clip, and then uh, I think Ian's going to read out some comments from. Uh, the Colton Collective page. Then we'll go to Perry, and uh, we'll go to Logan after Perry, if we may. If hopefully Logan can stay on audio that long, uh, and uh, then we'll we'll move along the line. And here we go with the first clip, just to get us in the mood. Do you hear the whisper men? The whisper men are near. If you hear the whisper men, then turn away your ear. Do not hear the whisper men, whatever else you do. 
For once you've heard those spermen, they'll stop and look at you. One word from you could save me from the rope. Then you may rely on my silence. I have information. Valuable information. Are you bargaining for your life? You have the blood of 14 women on your hands. There are no words that can save your neck. The doctor. Ah, yes. I know all about him. Your dangerous friend. How? In the battle of the world, there are whispers. If you know how to listen. The doctor has a secret, you know. He has many. He has one he will take to the grave. And we'll stop that there. Um, Ian, do you want to do those honours from the collective page? And I'll go to Perry. Well, another clip and then Perry. Right. Well, there's one I know of. Uh, I don't know what the other one was. But, um, yeah, we, we actually heard uh, from, uh, for those of you who may or may not remember her, uh, Romana, too, used to uh, be part of the collective from Australia. Um, unfortunately, because of having to get up at 5 a.m. on a Monday, uh, it's become very, very difficult for her to be on the show. But she stopped by uh, to say hello. Um, things are moving along nicely for her. She's, uh, she's now got a, a, a gentleman friend, um, and she's moved out of home. And uh, But she wanted to, uh, she said, for old time's sake, here are some of my thoughts on the Doctor Who finale. I'll keep it brief, other than to mention that, that I watched it Sunday morning with my boyfriend and two roommates in our pajamas, lying on the floor with pillows and blankets. I felt like a kid again. Uh, I have so much love uh, for the Victorian trio of Madame Vastra and Jenny, and of course Strax. Spin-off? Miniseries, maybe? And I was very impressed with how they weaved Clara into the other Doctor's timelines on screen. Overall, it was a really good episode. But Stephen Moffat is still the biggest troll to have ever trolled. True fact. Well, till next time, goodbye, boys. I don't <laughs> sure if there was another one you wanted me to read out. Yeah, well, I'll oh, read them yeah. then. Um, well, yeah. there's, all right, there's one from Craig, one from Kathy, and one from Todd. Okay. Uh, just comments. Okay. Uh, yeah, Craig, uh, oh, my God, this has to be one of the best episodes ever. Totally riveted from start to finish. I'll let the nitpickers pick out, <laughs> uh, pick at it, but for me, it was just the best, uh, certainly since uh, 2005, without question. Uh, 20 out of 5 TARDIS groans. Um uh, Again, he mentions that he uh, he watched it again this morning and he's uh, delighted. Um, didn't lose any of the impact that he felt last night. He's not going to analyze it in detail because um, it was intended to hit the viewer on an emotional level, uh, and it did uh, did this right from the opening credits to the grand finale, which I won't mention because it's spoilers. That's what he says. <laughs> uh, I think I can mention uh, River uh, through her. Uh, farewell scene with the Doctor was riveting uh, viewing uh, from two great actors. Uh, some hilarious moments again and pure Monty Python style involving Strax in particular. Uh, Kathy O'Keefe says, uh, oh my gosh, five out of five TARDIS groans. Fantastic. Uh, I wish I could stay up uh, tonight for the review. Uh, I think Kathy's also in Australia as well. Uh, without spoilers, the best of the best. Unfortunately, we have to wait for the continuation uh Doctor Who. I uh, can't wait to listen to everybody's opinions. Keep up the good work. Thank you again. And uh, lastly, uh, Todd Schwartzberg. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Sure, I still have questions, uh, but they aren't, uh, they aren't nitpicks at all. 
I think it was brilliant. Now, without getting spoilery, I wonder if the anniversary special or the Christmas special would explore the Peter Cushing era doctor on the small screen. Hmm. Some clarification if uh, there is any on how these movies would fit into a uh, regular Doctor Who TV universe would be great to see. Again, uh, it's just a feeling and speculation that I have. Uh, uh, let me just read also, Thomas puts under Kathy O'Keefe's uh, contribution. Um, I'm giving it, I think that's the guy in the room today. Um, I'm giving it um, six out of five Tardis groans. Um, and he'd like me to enter that into the final podcast record. So, yes, Thomas, uh, six out of five for Thomas. And I think that's about it um, from there. Uh, we do recommend that people who enjoy listening to the collective come and uh, ask to join in on the collective Facebook page. Yep. So I'll play a clip and then we'll go to uh, Perry. Assuming this letter will have reached you as planned on April the 10th, 2013, please find and light the enclosed candle. It will release a soporific which will induce a trance state, enabling direct communication across the years. Ooh. However, as I realize you have no reason to trust this letter, I have taken the liberty of embedding the same soporific into the fabric of the paper you are now holding. Speak soon. So glad you could make it. Where am I? Exactly where you are, but sleeping. Time travel has always been possible in dreams. We are awaiting only one more participant. Oh, no. Not the one with the gigantic head. It's hair straps. <sighs> hair. Madam Vastra. Professor, help yourself to some tea. Why, thank you. How did you do that? Disgracefully. Ah, perhaps you two haven't met. This is the Doctor's companion. Uh, that is, his current travelling assistant. Assistant? Have you got a darker greed? Clara Oswald. Professor River Song. The Doctor might have mentioned me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course he has. Professor Song. Sorry, it's just that... I never realised you were a woman. And neither did Strax. <laughs> I left that little bit out. Uh, Perry, if you'd be so kind. Okay. Um, well, I mean, first impressions, I really, really did like this episode, and I, I was worried I was going to be disappointed, um, really disappointed with it, but I wasn't in the end. And um, I like seeing River again. I'm not exactly sure... I like the whole seance um, sort of thing. Didn't really quite understand how that worked, uh, but I suppose it was one of these sort of um, psychic sort of things that are sort of allowed in Doctor Who, but um, didn't quite understand it. Um, I guess it's easiest to talk about things you have sort of nitpicks with, so let me do that first. Um, I guess one of the things that probably bothered me the most um was the fact that the TARDIS that he that was his tomb was his current TARDIS console room. <laughs> I didn't quite get that. And the other thing that sort of bothered me was that Clara, who supposedly saw his whole timeline, only saw 11 doctors. And 
to be honest, I don't remember her seeing the tenth doctor or the eighth doctor. <laughs> they didn't they certainly didn't show that. Um, but I believe there were all the other doctors were were shown. Um, could, could I the doctor is, is shown. I understand why they didn't show the eighth. He did. The eighth came in. Go on, Jeff. Did he really? I don't remember that. What, what Jeff? Show at the library planet. Yeah, they did show ten at the library planet. Oh, okay. I've only watched it once, so I must have missed it. And um, I, there might have been a very brief appearance of the eighth. Just yeah, before you see the, the background, yeah. Just before you see the second doctor, you see somebody walk by Clara. You blink, you miss him. Yeah, you blink and you miss him. But I believe that was eight. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll rewatch it. I, um, I mean, I'm fairly certain I saw all the others, but uh, but those two I, I don't recall at the moment. Hmm. Okay. Um, what was the other thing? Um, I did enjoy, of course, all the sort of um, name dropping uh, from the classic series. The Valyard, of course, was mentioned, um, but I don't quite understand. Uh, I mean, it's interesting that they mentioned it. I'm not sure how they would work that in um, to the, the current sort of way the Doctor's going. And um, and we still haven't found out who blew up the TARDIS. <laughs> so I was sort of hoping um, the Great Intelligence, you know, would, would sort of be the answer to that. Um, and the great I was kind of hoping the great intelligence would be the origin of the silence and all that stuff too but uh so i mean this the fact that the silence had nothing to do with tanzalor i guess or trenzalor whatever it is and um you know silence will fall when the question is um asked and things like that that didn't quite quite happen although i guess silence did fall because he didn't he didn't answer the question um and, and, and although the stars really, were going out so it's a matter of it's again a way yeah. of viewing it. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. You know, it, I, I guess it, I was it's, sort as of, mu- it's as much as killing Hitler, or really yeah. having a name of a doctor. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure. I like the um, the great intelligence that much in this episode. I mean, I I think they were not that. I mean, they were interesting, but I guess they didn't seem as uh, what's menacing or as dangerous. Um, to me, as I, as I might have thought they would be, um, but 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 I did enjoy the episode as a whole. Of course, the explanation for why Clara is the impossible girl and why she appears several times uh, in his timeline, at least in the Eleventh Doctor's timeline that we've seen, um, I, I did enjoy, and I thought it was a good explanation. Um, let's see what else. I, overall, I think it was a good episode. Uh, the scenes with River and the Doctor together at, uh, near the end, where they were talking, I thought was was good. I was a little bit worried that um, we're never going to see Clara again as a companion because you know I feel like you know she's only been around about half a season, and um, I'd like to see her some more. But but then at the end, it seems like they did resolve that. Uh, I think, and. Um, and of course, the big surprise at the end. I don't, I don't know. Um, I suppose I can mention it because of spoilers here. But um, with with John Hurt at the end, and um, and who exactly he is, and where in the Doctor's timeline, you know, he he is. I don't know if if that's been said. 
although I have read some articles that sort of claim that he's the version of the Doctor who uh, ended the Time War, although I I don't think that's the case myself. That's not how, how I saw it. So well, I assume he was the just, next, the 12th Doctor. I mean, we, we know the Valyard, if the Valyard is you know, per, a permanent fixture. I mean, obviously that may now change, but um, would be number 13, so I'm mm. assuming he's 11. So I would assume he was, the way they were named, the storm. In other words, the oncoming storm that's been referred to ages and ages ago is not a war, but the 12th Doctor that will be titled Storm. But of course, again, that they, that may not come to be, depending on how the story plays out. Well, they said in the story that he's not the doctor, right? Uh, of course, the, the the little stupid little title thing at the end said he was, but the oh, doctor yeah. himself said that he wasn't the doctor. He's the one. He's no, he the said one he was me. He said he was me. He said he was me. He's the doctor. Right. But but he wasn't the doctor. But he said. But he said he wasn't the doctor. No, I know. I know. I know. He said it's him, but he said. But the doctor is not him the doctor is lo- sort of like well, who he well, is so at the moment the and this the guy the was, yeah i'm assuming this, we're yeah, going yeah. to this a is the guy who gave up the name person. is what he said the I, idea I, yeah. is a development but, but i believe what he said was this is the man who turned his back on the name or something like that or this is the man who right. gave up the name but it is I him i mean yeah yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't see how he could be the twelfth doctor though, because how yeah. would Matt Smith's doctor know what his future self looks like? Well no, a pos- the possible future twelfth. Just as the the Valyard is the possible thirteenth. I mean that presumably that's well, thought, not yet fixed. I thought the Valyard was supposed to be some sort of construct of all the doctors like evil sides. I didn't think he was just a, a normal regeneration of the Doctor, but yeah, I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I've Terry, seen the trial. As I remember the way they described it, it was like, I think, between the final regeneration. It was like in between. Oh. Yeah, so between the 12th and 13th Between doctor. the 12th and 13th. It was right. Right. No, he was the 13th. No, he wasn't 13th. He was between the 12th and 13th. But what has to be remembered is that description comes only from... The master. Yeah, that's true. Okay. true. So, who knows if it's true? Yeah. I don't think any of their future doctors yeah. are fixed at this point. Yeah. But, in um, fact, they can't be fixed hmm. in a way, because if uh, Clara hadn't gone into that, that timeline, the doctor would have died in this episode. Yeah. Well, he would have died in his in his first incarnation. Oh, well, yeah, maybe, yeah, uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Why would Clara advise him to take the one with the jiggery um, navigational? Well, my suspicion is the great intelligence sort of um, cha- somehow made him choose the wrong one. You know, not the one that he he chose originally, and Clara was directing him back towards the right one. I don't know. That's my yeah. impression. Shushan, in effect, all the way to the timeline. That's, I assume, the reason for that. Yeah. And I suppose the only other thing about the episode um, that I would nitpick is that, and it's I'm perhaps influenced by an article I read this morning, but there are a lot of. Um, 
a lot of sort of allusions to other sci-fi, you know, movies and TV shows, sort of like, um, in this one article pointed out, the Matrix sort of thing, when somebody gets unplugged from the Matrix, how they disappear, sort of like how when Jenny died and sort of disappeared from the from the conference call, so to speak, and things like that, so... Um, but otherwise, quite enjoyable episode. Uh, really liked it. I don't know if I would give it a five out of five, but certainly four and a half. I think. I mean, I, I, I as a series finale, I think this is one of Moffat's um, better ones, definitely. Is that so? Are you gonna stop at that? Are you you've got more to say? Yeah, I'll stop there. That's fine with me. No. Okay, uh, let me just read a little bit of uh, what's been gone in the text chat, and then we'll be going to Logan after another clip, if we may. Um, Willis Girls put, I've always seen the Valyard as the evil version of the Doctor, and guest six, the Valyard is uh, not a manifestation, he's the Doctor's evil between the twelfth and final bodies, uh, and it was said in the Trial of the Time Lord, where half... Uh, the bloody story was lies and made up fiction. The Valyard was poor anyway, and the new series did it a lot better with the Dream Lord. So that's a contribution. Anybody else? We will try and read uh, comments like that out during the course. Play this clip, and hopefully Logan can stay on audio to follow up. Right, come here. Give me your hand. Now, the coordinates you saw will still be in your memory. I'm linking you into the TARDIS telepathic circuit. Won't hurt a bit. Ow! I lied. Okay. What is Trendelaw? Is that your big secret? No. Okay, what then? When you are a time traveller, there is one place you must never go. One place in all of space and time you must never ever find yourself. Why? You didn't listen, did you? You lot never do, that's the problem. The Doctor has a secret he will take to the grave. It is discovered. He wasn't talking about my secret. No, 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 that's not what's been found. He was talking about my... grave. Trenzalore is where I'm buried. can you have a grave? Because we all do somewhere out there in the future, waiting for us. The trouble with time travel, you can actually end up visiting. But you're not going to. You said it's one place you must never go. I have to say, Buster and Strax, Jenny too, if it's still possible, but, but they, they cared for me during the dark times. Never questioned me, never judged me. They were just... kind. I owe them. I have a duty. No point in telling you this is too dangerous. None at all. How can we save them? Apparently, by breaking into my own tomb. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, thanks for staying on audio, Logan. Uh, you have the floor. Thank you. And I mean, this this episode here really answered some things for me. Little side story, most people don't know this. My Xbox Live name is The Doctor, so it's nice to know that I'll be buried at Trenzalore. This is where I can finally send family to, to put flowers down, right? <laughs> oh, well, that, that dropped. Uh, this season, actually, I'm going to 
mention that this season has been rather dull for me. I mean, I haven't been a big fan of, of it this particular season. I will say this. This has been one of the best episodes I have seen this season. Uh, I, as you know, I don't have a lot to say all the time on Doctor Who, but I will say that it kept my attention. There's been times when some of these episodes this season have not. I'm one of those people that think maybe uh, Steve Moffat, it might be time for him to go. But this one here I, I was impressed with. It was a good season finale for me. And though I don't know a lot of the back history being brought into Doctor Who as a new Who fan, I do know who the past Doctors are, stuff like that. Don't know anything about this uh, Veil Yard. Uh, can you stop there a minute, Logan? Can, okay. can, mm-hmm. can you mute, Cobo? Uh, We're getting an echo. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, thanks, Logan. I, I just thought it was my my great voice coming over a couple of times that people just liked it. But, uh, the, I really have a question for the Doctor Who fans. I thought it was neat seeing the opening there with the first Doctor actually going in and stealing the TARDIS. Is this the first time that the TARDIS has been shown like that in its no, natural that's, form? No, that's I think at the end of the, uh, the 10 parts of the War Games, I think they were shown like that. That's the basic outer construct before the... Um the um, the chameleon circuit kicks in, but I, I I'm here to be corrected, of course. I I do get things wrong occasionally. But uh, anybody wants to jump in there with a little uh, different? They were a little more box-like, but right. I'm not sure whether they were actually tardises. Well, yeah, no, they were actually tardises. Um, but there, it's that story is confusing because at certain points there are these things called the Sid Rats, which are basically tardises but owned by the War Lord, whatever. But there are actually TARDIS is in that story. And, I mean, the, the design here is basically the same. It's just that this design is a little bit more rounded. But basically, it's kind of harmonious with that. The difference here is what was shown in War Games was just random TARDI. You know, just out there. Um, not the Doctor's TARDIS. Uh, and this is the first time on the television screen that we've seen this. But it is a Basically, it's almost a frame-by-frame rework of the last page of a of the 30th anniversary comic strip that was in Doctor Who magazine called Time and Time Again. And it depicts pretty much exactly this scene, except now that we have Clara inserted into it. So we have seen the scene before, but not on television. And actually, I've seen that comic you're talking about on Wikipedia, so I mean... That, that's why I was asking if this is the first time this was actually on film that we've actually seen it, which I thought it was neat actually seeing a cylinder TARDIS going through the, the vortex. So I thought that was a nice little Easter egg. Uh, everyone's talking, of course, about the John Hurt character. The way I saw it, and like I said, I'm I'm a newbie for Doctor Who, so I mean I may be totally off of it, I was thinking that might have been him before the first Doctor's incarnation, because I kept saying that he was, I don't remember the exact wording, of course, but before the Doctor, before the title, I saw him as maybe being that, and then when the Doctor changed whatever, he started taking on the title of the Doctor at the first Doctor. So, uh, but those are just my, my thoughts on it. I thought it was a good episode. I would give it probably an 8 out of 10. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much indeed for that. And let me welcome uh, Mark, resident alien, into the room. Hopefully you'll come on audio. Uh, Darth, I'm hoping we can go to you after I play this next clip, which is uh, just over a minute long. 
hell of a monument. It's the TARDIS. I can see that. No. When the TARDIS is dying, sometimes the dimension dams start breaking down. They used to call it a size leak. All the beer on the inside starts leaking to the outside. It, it, it grows. When I say that's the TARDIS, I don't mean it looks like the TARDIS. I mean it actually is the TARDIS. My TARDIS from the future. What else would they bury me in? Clara, don't speak. Don't say my name. He can't see or hear me. Only you can. Well, come on, then. We're mentally linked. It's the conference call. I kept the line open. Who are you talking to? We need to get... River. Can't be right. No, it can't. She's not dead. Oh, she's dead, I'm afraid. She's been dead for a very long time. Yeah, probably should have mentioned that. Never the right time. But I met her. Long story. But her grave can't be here. There we go. And uh, Darth, if if you'd be so kind. All right then. Well, uh, let's just. Uh start with the big thing, and that is for a long time now, uh, I think those of us who have been paying attention in North America will have noticed that the finale for Doctor Who would be on the same weekend as the um, debut of the newest Star Trek film, and for a while I kind of thought the way this weekend was going to go was that I was going to be really happy with Star Trek, but predictably underwhelmed by Stephen Moffat, and I find myself with a reversed opinion that, in fact, uh, this is the bigger treat of the weekend for me. Uh, and I think it is, by a fairly wide margin, the most satisfactory uh, season finale that um, Moffat has delivered. And the thing that's really interesting about this um, season finale is that it is not just a Series 7B finale. I think it's actually a satisfactory Season 7 period finale um, in that, one of the geniuses of the story is the inclusion of river and the particular kind of river that we get here, um, that it is the river from after silence in the library is a neat trick and allows us to satisfactorily say goodbye to that character. And I hope that we don't see her again. I'm, I'm not sure of any kind of plans for the future. So I don't know, maybe I will be disappointed, but it seems to me that this is the end of that character and the character has served a very successful um, uh, time in the, in the show narratively. And I think that the River is Moffat's greatest single contribution to the Doctor Who mythos. And I got to tell you, the best scene in the whole deal for me was the scene between the Doctor and River. I was bawling. It was so good. The very end, unbelievably emotionally effective uh, in a way that, you know, I've not experienced from Moffat lately, though. I mean, obviously, I know he has the capability as a writer of de of delivering on emotional themes. He hasn't done that for me that much lately, but this time that was just a great send off to that character. Just note perfect, I thought. Uh, the other thing that has, has been great about this finale um, is the way in which it's been foreshadowed. Um, you can find things 
going all the way back, I think, to, uh, you know, well, for quite a long time in the past, really, because he includes so many little nuggets for fans. But just within the, the Moffat era, um, you know, I, I think the fact that um, River in this says, you know, he's useless, him indoors. Well, that's a reversal of, you know, Amy's line from Time of Angels, and it's a very nice bookend, right? Her first appearance in the Moffat era, her last appearance in the Moffat era, you know, just giving a slight nod back to her mother, which is just a, a nice little thing to throw in there. But I think if you if you just look narrowly, well, I mean, I think too, one of the great achievements of of this finale is the way that it incorporates, uh, no pun intended, the whole souffle recipe thing. Um, that we find out exactly why she is Souffle Girl and exactly what, you know, that we turn that into a theme. And what a great line, you know, that the souffle isn't the souffle, but it's the recipe, which is the perfect metaphor for this character, you know, knowing that she is scattered throughout time uh, and that she is essentially the same person, but with different spices thrown in at different moments in time. And it kind of explains a little bit, maybe not as satisfactory as I would like, but it kind of explains, you know, why she is as she was last week, where I was quite critical, you know, of her suddenly knowing how to be a military leader. Well, okay, if she is just a sliver of herself, if she's just taking certain aspects of her character to be what the doctor needs at that point, then it makes a lot more sense. Um, and so the, the whole souffle thing, I think, came to um, fruition, as it were, and that was really good. I think also you have uh, greater relevance for. Uh, the Rings of uh, of uh, the Rings episode of Akaten. I don't know why he suddenly stumbled <laughs> on that. Um, because I think that the vigil in that now can be seen as a um, uh, a sort of a, a presaging for the Whispermen, right? They're you know the the the, the vigil in that are you know trying to track down um, Mary. Uh, but really what they are is setting up the Whispermen, and I think that that was great. And let me just stop there with the Whispermen for just a second and say, oh, my God, listen to this in you know, 7.1 surround, even though it's probably only mixed to 5.1 or maybe 6.1. I'm not sure quite how it was mixed, but listen to it in full surround sound, and the Whispermen are freaking creepy. Totally. The, the audio work that's being done in the back channels just makes them unbelievably more frightening than if you just listen to it on headphones or whatever. And the other thing is not just that scene, but also the, the seance scene. Oh, that is magnificent in multi-channel surround sound. Just magnificent. Um, but anyway, so I think that's something that's set up from Rings. Uh, then, you know, also there's the setup in Bells, right? You got in Bells one of the one of the the first thing that you get coming out of the uh, the teaser is, you know, I don't know where I am. And that's a thing that you hear throughout that episode. You know, when they when you get taken over by the great intelligence, you don't know where you are. And you get that again here in this episode where she says, I don't know where I am. I'm being split apart or whatever. So a very nice echo of the first part of Series 7B. And I think, too, you know, a lot of people are very critical of the – Angie character, 
right? Especially, I mean, people don't like the kids in general, but I think Angie in particular has been the, the subject of a lot of wrath. Um, but I think it, it's important to have her set up as she was in the last episode as sort of a brat, as a major brat, rather. And, and you know, it's just somebody who just really is kind of nasty um, because that then allows for her to be as she is in this episode um, and where where she's like, you know, just dismissive of Clara's ability to make a souffle and therefore you get the great line, you know, that is important to the, the entire theme of Clara in general. Um, and I think if you didn't have her as she was in, in the Cyberman episode, you wouldn't have gotten that theme and you wouldn't have been able to have made as much sense out of that theme. I think too the uh there's a really interesting little um sort of I guess we might call it a, a technical um uh, foreshadowing in that if you go back to Crimson Horror, right, and it has that lovely scene that we all seem to enjoy of the doctor sort of telling how he got to where he was. So you get that, you know, filter effect of you know, we're going back in time because now the, there's the scratchy lens and because there's, you know, all these effects that are going on and the, the color has been bled out of the scene to indicate we're going back in time. Well, if that hadn't been planted as a metaphor for going back in time, then you wouldn't have been able really to successfully, and, and again, maybe not fully successfully, but you wouldn't have even been able to have attempted, I think, the the interaction between Clara and Hartnell, because uh, you needed to do something that established an effect that bled the color out of a scene in order to have a colorized William Hartnell there. Um, so that was neat. And I think if you really look hard, and sometimes not that hard, I think you can go back to each one of the episodes and probably find a little something that is then, uh, you know, sets up what then happens in this finale. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's so satisfying is that it's not just, it seems like it's a very well-considered finale. It seems like something that he actually sat down and said, okay, I'm going to do proper literary foreshadowing in this season and take a little bit here and a little bit there, kind of much more like, you know, what you have with um, Journey's End. You know, how Journey's End takes a lot of little strands and weaves them into something coherent and gives you satisfactory payoffs and a lot of different things. So that works really well for me. The other thing that's kind of cool about the episode is it it helps, obviously, with the 50th anniversary. It helps in a lot of different ways. First, it helps because um, it shows you why the notion of having some sort of interaction with – or why the, um, the trials and, and tribulations uh, approach to doing an anniversary story won't work with Doctor Who. I mean, you can see evidently that it looks horrible <laughs> to have, uh, you know, take footage from the five doctors and throw it into modern storytelling. It looks horrible. And there's no way to disguise it. You can try to make it look as good as you can. But I think by showing it a little bit, Moffat has the ability now to say, OK, I gave you what you wanted. And now don't you see you didn't really want that. It's just not technically possible to give you, you know, from to to match the film, to match the grading, it just isn't possible. This is the best we can do. So let's not get that it out of the way. Anyway. Not, well, I don't even think it's possible. I okay. really don't. But, I mean, it might be. It might be, but certainly not in their budget. But I think one, one of the great things here is you get it out of the way, you sh you show it, you give the fans what they want, 
and then you say we're going on because honestly if the best you can the best match scene you can find is dragon fire you shouldn't be attempting this i mean really um so it's good to get that out of the way but i thought that there were lovely little easter eggs in the in the uh the dialogue right you know bringing up the time winds again so evoking you know warrior's gate um doing the one for one dialogue from Castor Valva part one, right? You know, the dimensioning forces are so deep in the TARDIS that, you know, you're bound to be a little woozy right now or whatever. Um, the almost, almost copying of Douglas Adams from Pirate Planet and bringing up, you know, the dimension dams and, you know, uh, size leaks and everything, which is a, a bare twist of the notion in Pirate Planet of time dams so you know you got time dams you got dimension dams i thought that was a nice little nod without being an exact ripoff um so you, you got these lovely little phrases that are sort of thrown in here um and i think it it's a little bit interesting you can even take it as a, another bit of foreshadowing that you know gatus chooses to quote from the fifth doctor essentially in his episode, and then two episodes later, we have you know a much more direct quote from the Fifth Doctor, um, which shows both of their love for Peter Davison. We know that they both are just huge fans of the Davison era, so that's kind of cool. Um, and um, so, so I think that there's there's a lot of really lovely stuff in here in, in terms of uh, making this effectively. I think really the quote-unquote multi-doctor story that people are wanting to have out of the 50th anniversary so that the real 50th anniversary multi-doctor story can be something of greater significance and can be really without any need to reference past doctors. Um, Well, by past doctors, I mean, of course, 1963-era doctors. Um, And so that, you know, now we can have a celebration on November the 23rd, that is a lot more original. That is, you know, really about what they can actually film, you know, using people who are alive today, using, you know, just without having to go back into the library and pick up things. Um, this is this is just sort of a, almost an overfeeding, a, a gluttonous, um, just unrestricted almost, um, usage of the past in Doctor Who. So now we can move on to something better. And the the weird thing about it is, even though it's got all these references, even though it's really just, it's over heavy with all the references, it still tells a really good story. And at the end of the day, fundamentally, I think it gives an excellent answer to the question about Clara. You know, finding out who she is has been the little ride that we've been on. And I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm with Perry. This was a really good explanation because it was original because it, you know, you could say that it too is a bit of a reference to city of death. So all those people who thought, you know, back in the day when this all started, that she was going to turn out to somehow be related to the Jaggeroth and all that. They're kind of right. Cause it kind of was a splintering of the, her personality across time, but we see it done for a very specific reason. And I, I think it's, this is a clever script that actually makes some sense to me. Um, 
and and I don't think always Moffat has done clever but sensible. This one is clever and sensible, and that worked really well for me. The um, you know the other characters that are in it, Vastra and her gang, they are fun. I suppose they are good. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed the um, the seance bit because why not? Um, you know it it wasn't horrible it wasn't um you know completely insensible it was it was fantasy and again i i principally think that doctor who is science fantasy but i don't think that it was i don't think it was strictly magic because i think there was just enough you know yes we're going to give you this particular chemical to make you fall asleep um and you know she does say time travel is always possible in dreams all right yeah I- yeah, Darth. I think there was there was an attempt at sort of a, a, a very quick explanation of how it worked, but right. like you say, it is science fantasy. I agree. It, it, yeah, and it's. I mean, it's more than Moffat had. And it was a, it was a okay. yeah. yeah, and it's, it's true. And the, the graphics. I was were worried. Cool. At first, I was worried it was going to get a little too magical, but then it didn't. So that was that was okay with me. Then. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just short of things. And, you know, it's the thing that allows you to have this particular version of River, you know, because she's already, yeah. you know, all that stuff is, is kind of good. I mean, you could you could pick it apart. You could say, well, wait a minute, Jenny dies and she goes away from the seance, but River's already dead. But then River kind of covers it at the end because she says, well, how is it that I'm alive if Clara is not? You know, I don't know. It's oh, not, am I still I mean, here if Clara's dead? Right. So the you know, implication being that the doctors are going and save her. Save her and all that stuff. But, I mean, the, you know, if you really wanted to pick it apart, you could say it doesn't. the, the river thing kind of doesn't make any sense. And yet, at the same time, it kind of does because Moffat doesn't try to explain it. He just says, if you're dreaming, you can get here. Um, all right. Whatever. That's fine. It allows for a very funny scene. So... I'm cool with that. Um, yeah. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm not quite convinced that this was the copy of River in the computer. Oh, it was really. He men- yeah. She oh. mentions it. She mentions he left me like a book on the shelf. Yeah, I know, but still, you know, h- how does the doctor touch her? Um, I'm trying. That's to what think. she wonders. Well, She's yeah. It just doesn't make sense. And how do you send an invitation to her to join the seance? Uh, that well, she's probably the easiest one to reach. She's in the computer. The consciousness right. in the computer. Yeah, you just say, hey. You just go to a yeah. terminal and type in something. On some, some far distant planet. Email. Far in the future. Well, yeah, but I mean, we are talking about well, time technology. Strax got his medical technology with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he yeah. brought uh, Jenny back to life. I mean, so we could assume Madame Vastra has some of her, uh, her technology with her. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, I, it's, not, not it's not well yeah, explained. Yeah, yeah, it's not, not well explained. Yeah. But, I mean, again, I think it. At least he sort of makes nods to it. I, I really think that, and again, you know, I think, Jeff, you're in disagreement with me about the Big Bang. I don't think that there's that much there in Big Bang that makes, I mean, there's a little something, but it's not really 
that much um, that explains it. I mean, it, it does feel there very explicitly magical. This doesn't seem magical. It just seems like this is something we don't know about. And therefore, because we don't know about it, it is a little bit fantastic, but it probably has some rationale. Clark's Law. Kind of. Kind of, sort of. That's what I felt about it. Um, but, you know, in terms of other aspects about the show, you know, in terms of acting, um, yeah, now that we're back to a generally more serious 11th Doctor, I think Matt Smith is a lot more successful. Okay. He certainly was successful in the scene where he cries, uh, realizing that he has to go to Transalore and all that. And I think that was also a really good scene for Louise Coleman because her acting makes us scared as well, you know, because she is so incredibly in empathetic or empath no empathetic i guess um and, and especially when she comes walking down the stairs in the tardis and he's underneath just sort of clearly afraid of what's going on the way that she walks down with her arms lightly crossed just barely taking you know one step after another because she doesn't know what the hell is going on that helps sell the scene as well as much as matt smith's acting so it's a really good chunk of like i don't know two three minutes where both of them are just firing in all cylinders um mm -hmm. and and we have back i think the gentleman's coma that I like and the one the one that has largely been there throughout the season, but really wasn't there last week. Of this incredibly empathetic character, so I thought that was really good. I think the acting was generally pretty good, and I really liked um, Richard E. Grant. I mean, I I know that I'm not qu I still don't quite understand what happened with the Great Intelligence this series. Uh, it it doesn't quite tally with my recollection or my impression of the great intelligence from the Troughton era. But, well, let's put it this way. I thought it was a lot better and had a lot more to do in this episode than surely the snowman. And I think now it's, it's more obvious why he would have taken that role um, than it was just having watched the snowman. Um, but I, I, I guess when I was watching it the second time, what I thought was, you know, when he does that big speech right before he goes into the time stream, I thought, man, that would be the perfect speech for the master. If this was the master doing all this, I would be like, this is the best master story ever, probably. You know, because if it's the master trying to destroy the tracks of the doctor, that makes sense to me. It's almost like the great intelligence is not big enough to care about this. Um, but you know, I, I still got to give Moffat points for using a villain that is a recurring villain that we have very little record of, you know, I, I think it, in, in the 50th anniversary year, I think you do need to sort of shout out to the Troughton era and pick something that was incredibly popular back then. And that, you know, a lot of people remember with great fondness from the Troughton era and do something with it now. So great points for that. But I, a part of me just thinks this is a story that you use the master in, really. But it was still very fun and very satisfying. And uh, at the end of the day, 
a better use of Richard E. Grant than I thought based on his first time in. So, I, you know, a lot of really good things in this. I think it was uh, um, a very fun ride. Uh, it, it is extremely rewatchable, um, which I cannot say about previous finales that have only made me matter the more that I've watched them. Uh, this one, you know, I, I'm sure I will find more fault with it as I go through it. Um, but so far, after three watches, it seems to hold up really well. It seems to have a, a lot of interest. Uh, the only thing I'm really scared about is that this John Hurt character is going to make us suddenly think this is not the 11th Doctor anymore. We're like, we're going to have to go back and, you know, call this guy the 12th Doctor or call Tenet the 11th Doctor or just do, just, I just have this feeling that Moffat is going to, I don't know, do something that kind of screws fandom a little bit that says, Oh, you thought you knew what was going on. That's not what's going on. Here's what it is actually. And we'll be left scratching our heads trying to figure out how to clean up after the mess. So if you on any kind of internet forum, you know, have the name 11th doctor or whatever, woe be unto you because it probably won't mean what you think it means come the 23rd of November. Okay. But, so it's, it's, mm-hmm. Brilliant. But Ted, yeah. He already slapped us with uh, guys. Everything you know isn't true. So yeah. Well, we even had the doctor um, say Eliza uh, during the episode, which is basically Moffat saying Eliza. I think. Well, it's basically him saying he can have the doctor say whatever he wants to, and if he wants yeah. to later go back and change things, then he can say, "Oh well, the Moffat, the doctor just lied." It's it's that part is one of the things I dislike about the Moffat era. I mean, that's just horrible. <laughs> that's just you're. I mean, that makes the stories meaningless and worthless to say that your central character will intentionally lie at the drop of a hat. But whatever. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Darth. Um, mm-hmm. We'll. Um, uh, we'll go on to Ken if we may. Can I, I comment this. on that? Uh, yeah, for, for a brief comment, certainly. Uh, um, RTD established rule one that it, the Doctor lies, so that's not strictly a Moffat trope. Uh, uh, RTD? What do you mean? I think it's Moffat that established that. What do you mean? Where did RTD establish that? It was certainly established in the RTD era. Uh, it, I mean, it wasn't as it, connected an era then, of course. I mean, uh, nowadays there's things flying all around the place with Twitter and so on. I mean, uh, you've almost got to generate false rumors just to keep hiding the story, haven't you? Yeah. Well, if, it, if it was in the RTD era, it was in a Moffat script. So it might have, it might you might be right that it originates in like Silence of the Library. It's, a, it's definitely a regular thing, so it could be that. But I don't think that he that RTD established it in the script that he wrote. You might be right, Darth. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's um, let's let's play clip, and then we'll uh, we'll go to Ken if we may. It was a minor skirmish by the Doctor's blood-soaked standards. 
not exactly the time war. It's enough to finish him. In the end, too much for the old man. Blood soaked. The doctor has been many things, but never blood soaked. Tell that to the leader of the Sycorax, or Solomon the Trader, or the Cybermen, or the Daleks. The doctor lives his life in darker hues, day upon day, and he will have other names before the end. Storm, the Beast, the Valiard. Even if any of this were true, which I take the liberty of doubting, how did you come by this information? I am information. You were a mind without a body last time we met, and you were supposed to stay that way. Alas, I did. As you can see. Okay, come on, quickly, Ray. Yowza. And uh, just to say, there's, uh, there's an awful lot going on in text chat. Difficult for me to read it all, but if you go to uh, text chat grabber, put in touch ID 54821 episode 203, you can read all the comments. But let me just read one that caught my eye from guest six. Um, I think uh, Hertz, the real ninth doctor after, uh, after McGann, and Eccleston is the tenth, if I had to guess. Well, uh, I'm sure the, the debates will rage about this. Uh, my, my personal feeling is that uh, any doctor that comes after the 11th is not yet fixed, but um, maybe it is. We will find out. But Ken, if you'd be so good to go next. It'd be my pleasure. Um, for months, uh, we Doctor Who fans, we've weighed in on this great debate on to what trick Moffat was going to play with us on this potential reveal of the doctor's true name. It it made a lot of people livid. How dare he do this? We don't care what his name is. It even got me a bit annoyed uh, with the repetition after a while of going, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, you know, all the time. You know, I, I don't really care about his name. You know, whatever name you're going to come up with, it, it's never going to be satisfying. You're going to call him God, Gilgamesh, what have you. I don't know. You know, um, it, it's going to be linked to a failure. But there's a tradition, and not just with Stephen Moffat, about being metaphorical about things. Um, you know, they didn't kill Hitler. He just got a nice punch, like Captain America hitting him. And got and, himself in the closet. <laughs> yes. And uh, Rose uh, Tyler giving her speech saying, this is how I died. Well, not exactly. You know, we're, we were talking symbolism, but, uh, you know, that was a bit of a cliffhanger. We didn't know exactly what the meaning, you know, of that was. And thankfully, we've got the great tradition of uh, Blink and the Doctor Dances and the best of Stephen Moffat here. This was a joy. This really was the beginning of the 50th anniversary celebrations. Right from the get-go, the pre-credit scene had me jumping up and down inside uh, to show William Hartnell uh, 
getting his TARDIS in the beginning and have Clara there, and then to have the sixth doctor run by and on, so on and so on. I couldn't believe it. Uh, unfortunately, um, someone on Facebook posted the frame Gallifrey a long time ago, just, you know, um, about a week ago. Oh, I hate when they do that. You know, I would have rather not have seen that. Um, so I knew something was up for this episode. But that was a beautiful little opening shot, beautiful pullback uh, to Gallifrey. And this had, this had a comfort level and a grace and a poetry to it that, that I haven't seen in a long time. This whole season um, did hold together with uh, the inclusion of the great intelligence, how we were teased with it, and Clara's mystery not shoved down our throats, but it it was intriguing because her acting, and she was so deftly written, and you cared about her so much as a person. Um, we weren't just told how wonderful she was and amazing. We 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 saw it happening, and. Rather, rather than something so fantastical and fairy tale like in recreate, excuse me, recreating the universe uh, in your dreams of a child, we had her sacrifice herself, take that great leap uh, of soul and spirit and self, and go. I'm going to do this. I'm going. I'm going to sacrifice my life. Uh, for the universe, for this amazing person who I've come to know, for everything I was taught by my parents and all the love given me, and um, it, it doesn't get it doesn't get better than that. Um, the whole strand of the story, the beginning again in 1893, uh, London, with uh, Vastra and Jenny and Strax. Um, I, I love the, uh, the uh, seemed like he was Russian, the murderer speaking in rhymes. I love uh, the, the evocative feel of that right in the beginning. And Vastra meeting with him, speaking in parables that the universe is babbling to him. And I really enjoyed the, uh, the seance. I thought... Uh, Jenny's line about uh, you uh, you changed your uh, desktop look was was a nice uh, uh, throwback to the uh, Peter Davison uh, David Tennant uh, Red Nose Day uh, skit. I thought that was really nice about the uh, desktop mode. Uh, Ken, just uh, Go ahead. Uh, the thing that caught me was the. The table, at first I thought, oh, the table's a TARDIS top, because it only had five segments, didn't it? I don't think it was six. Yeah. It almost had, like, um, calligraphy, not calligraphy, but, you know, designs as though it was a TARDIS, and then I thought, no, hang on a minute, it was only five. But it, but but it was go. evocative of the TARDIS, and yeah. the background seemed, seemed to move. I, I love how the uh, episode had the coda to the River Song relationship. I don't know if we'll ever see her again uh, after this episode. Um, I gleaned that it was the 
post Silence in the Library River that her consciousness had come to the seance, that the doctor is very aware, as he has been, of her fate, and he's acknowledging it to her. They say goodbye. I think that's the first time they've ever uh, really kissed passionately. After last week's less than stellar episode, it was enjoyable at times, but let's face it, it was a bit of an embarrassment. Uh, um, less than stellar? Yes. I was not thrilled with last week. I expected so much. We'll be going to Cobo. We'll be going to you yeah. next. So let yeah, Ken that, finish. That, that, I just, I just mentioned. It. That's how I saw it. Uh, guess, I, I gave it three and a half. It. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed parts of it. But right. from Neil Gaiman and that, um, I thought back about the episode again, and I said, this is kind of something I would have seen on Buck Rogers. That's not a compliment. But that was, that was my feeling about it at the end. Um Nice moments, but uh, not up to what I expected, not up to par that I, that I get from Doctor Who. And this episode was a joy, a gift. And thank you, Stephen Moffat. Um, it wasn't hyperbole. It wasn't hyperbole. This was a season ender that didn't blow my brains out, Did uh, was comfortable with. It was intrinsic to character and story, and at the end of it, it was touching, dramatic, exciting. Um, Richard E. Grant, um, glad he was back as the the physical embodiment of the great intelligence. Um, great dialogue from him. Great dialogue him when he's uh, discussing uh, his take on the Doctor as the abomination of the universe, the storm the beast, the valiard, this blood-soaked creature. It's, it's really interesting to see that, you know, from a certain point of view, something like him, the doctor, is the great enemy. That, uh, and there are casualties uh, that always go with him. I, I think this is an interesting um, subtext that started with RTD, carries on with Stephen Moffat about, well, the doctor is a force for good, but what are the consequences? What happens in his wake? Uh, are the scales balanced between chaos and order, to, uh, you know, you know uh, to say it about him? Um, it, it, it was stunning. It was stunning. Visually, I, I, I thought the direction was, was beautiful, uh, the whole episode. Um, I thought the music was great. Um, the use of the uh, past doctors, this is more than I've ever expected of even an anniversary special. The way it was incorporated, the, the nods to the past, the present, and from the revelations at the end, the excitement for the future of the show. Um, I'm really happy with, with Stephen Moffat overall, what he's done. Um, I've spoken frequently about my, my preference for RTD as a showrunner, but Stephen Moffat uh, has big expectations. He takes chances. They don't always work. 
this time it's paid off beautifully. Um, I, I really have to uh, give credit to Saul Metzstein's direction on this. It's really, really beautiful. Alex Kingston, as always, is wonderful. Um, the guest cast um, was great. I love the Whisper Men. Uh, there's nobody does scary in the modern Who like Stephen Moffat, and this goes back uh, to the essence of what he did with the Silence, what he did in the beginning um, with the Weeping Angels. Uh, they were terrifying, and I love the rhyming quality of them. I thought I thought it was at the end when we see what the terror is of Transalor um, that it's the Doctor's last place uh, of rest, that it's uh, where his tomb is, and the tomb is the TARDIS. Um, it is an interesting fact that the TARDIS shown is the current TARDIS. Budgetary constraints, um, echoes of a time that he was well-loved, I, I have to overlook that. It would have been nice to have something different, but there wasn't. I, I enjoy the description, the Smokey Robinson reference. Those are the tracks of my tears. <laughs> yeah. uh, scar tissue from Dallafrey to Transalore. Um, I, I love the representation. It was, it was kind of like a biblical pillar of fire. Uh, I, I really enjoy that. And the whole, the whole terrifying concept, he's not just going to destroy the doctor. He's going to destroy all the good that the doctor did. Um, one of, one of my things that I really didn't like, um, about uh, the Big Bang was with the Doctor written out of the universe, there's a wedding going on. No, with the Doctor not in the universe, Earth is a charred husk, worlds are destroyed, um, everything is chaos, uh, there's a light out of the universe. You know, um, yes, everything was sort of restored after that, but that was a real bothersome point to me. Um, we saw in uh, Turn Left, what is it like without the Doctor? If you, if you take a prop out of existence, what happens when this being doesn't exist? Well, here again we have what happens when he doesn't exist. Stars blink out one by one. Lives are destroyed. And there's a favorite Arthur C. Clarke story, and if no one's ever read it, go rush out of it called The Nine Billion Names of God, Ooh, yeah. which is one yeah. of my favorites. There's a line at the end that goes, there's an end to everything. There always is. Overhead, without any fuss, the stars were going out. And that line has always chilled me. And I thought about that when I, when I saw the, the end there. And the stars were blinking away with the doctor's essence being erased from all existence. And I, again, we have a companion who is so self-sacrificing, and I was getting choked up. This is my five out of five. This is the episode I've been waiting for. This is 
This is the greatness. This is this the is joy. your full five. Yeah. Yeah. This is the joy that that and it also improves the entire season. This this makes this makes the other episodes um, get up a little bit more. Moves them up, yeah. Because you're reaching to this goal. You're reaching to this goal, and and this reflects on the other episodes, and the poetry and beauty of it did that. And let, let's talk about the end for a moment. Um, after Clara does everything to save him. And I, I loved her telling the first doctor, no, not that TARDIS. This is the one you need. And it's that, that that's beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I was just beaming with that. Don't steal that one. Steal this one. Yeah, this one. It, it was great. And to see the TARDIS, I didn't even get it the first time watching I, because I was just kind of so misty-eyed. Watch again, I got Oh, it's before Chameleon Circuit. Oh, wow. Mm. You know, I'm just loving that, you know, doing that. Um, the doctor's description of who is there in the time stream with his back to us, and we hear that voice. <laughs> now, I've spoken about certain actors that I love. You know, Derek Jacobi. All my life, it's like a strain of people I have just been fond of. Uh, you know, Diana Rick. Maybe it's a coincidence, but Man for All Seasons was on a couple nights ago. And that's one of my favorite movies. And there was this young man in it with bangs, with this very dark voice. And I love that voice. And he has been amazing in everything that he's done from Quentin Crisp to Alien to every everything he works on if you want some class you call on John Hurt and the doctor's description of who no who is he exactly as that article Perry mentioned and I read it is he the doctor in between is he the one responsible for the time war is he someone far in the future who did something even more despicable and wretched uh, to the doctor's soul than the time war? Is he someone from the past? Well, that's that's to be continued. You know, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I can't be as certain as the person in the article going, well, of course this is who. No, <laughs> I, I can't go, of course that is, you know. You could call him the doctor with no name, put a Serapi on him. You know, <laughs> and, you know, um, I don't know how they're going to do it. He may not exist after the anniversary special. But just the way that was filmed, the back to us in the voice, and that man who, who does not take my name, the meaning of the name the doctor. And this is something that I think is so wonderful that Moffat put in, that the word healer came from this entity, that all through the universe, that is the meaning. And sometimes it is meant as a warrior, but mostly the great healer, the giver of life. And because I do make literary illusions and things come into my mind while I'm watching, there's maybe I consider it one of the greatest, maybe the great American play, 
The Crucible by Arthur Miller. And it's about a man, John Proctor, who is condemned by a lying young woman who he had an affair with. And it's about the witch trials in Salem. And he has a choice uh, to save his life on a lie or to hang, while others hang that uh, are honest with themselves. And in the climax, and it reminds me of, of how the doctor must feel, because it is my name, because I cannot have another in my life, because I lie and sign myself to lies, because I am not worth the dust on the feet of them that hang. How may I live without my name? I have given you my soul. Leave me my name. And thank you, Stephen Moffat. And I was never worried we were really good to hear his name. It's not the name of the doctor. It's in the name of the doctor. And it goes to the essence of the entire series, the meaning of the doctor, what he means to us, and what he means to the universe. And, wow, it was a blast. And uh, it's good to be a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, yeah it was uh, not in his given name, it was in his chosen name. Yeah, yeah which makes it even more important. It's the name he chose, the name he chose. And that's my Excellent. take on it. Absolutely great. Um, just to those other people on audio, just let me know. We're, uh, I'll be playing clips between them, but I'll go to Kobo. Jeff, if you don't mind, because uh, you went first last week, I know Rick Wall arrived later than yourself, but after Kobo, I'll go to Rick Wall and then to you, Jeff. Uh, I hope you'll uh, indulge me with that, and then Ian and myself will go last. Uh, and we've had quite a few new members join us uh, in the rooms since, so... Uh, Th- thank you for those people coming in, Robert Curry King and Willie Skirl and and um, Super Salmon and That Girl Is Good and uh, News Guy 2005, one or two that have dropped off. But uh, we will get back to another clip and then we will go to Kobo. <laughs> can still hear me. Lucky thing, since him indoors is being so useless. Why did you open the door, sir? I had them on the run. I didn't do it. I didn't say my name. No, but I did. Is everyone all right? Is everyone okay? <laughs> Clara. Clara? <laughs> Are you okay? No, no, it's not right. No, no, I know. I'm sorry. Now then, Dr. Simeon, or Mr. G. Intelligence, whatever I call you, do you know what's in there? For me, peace at last. For you, pain everlasting. Won't you invite us in? And I invite Kobo in. Kobo. Um, 
Yes, this was a wonderful, wonderful episode. But first, if I may, since I wasn't here last week, can I give a quick review of last week's episode? Yeah, if you if you keep it uh, on song, on topic, yeah, brilliant. It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, we all know Neil Gaiman is like a god to me, and so this was a very worthy successor to Doctor Wife. Um. But, in comparison to the actor's wife, I cannot, in good conscience, give it a four. I mean, a five out of five, because it wasn't quite... Wasn't his best work, was it? It wasn't quite as amazing. I did like the idea of the doctor playing chess with the Cyberman version of himself. And I loved the Willy Wonka golden ticket thing. That was such a wonderful, wonderful thing last week. And I wish they had focused on the amusement park a little bit more before the Cyber Menace revealed itself. Um... But anyway, let's move on to why we're really here. Um, (laughs) I loved finding out who Clara was, um, finally. And the nods to all the previous doctors, I just absolutely loved it. It's like Ken said, it was like, I was jumping up and down from the the very, very first scene, and, um, I've had the roughest weekend of my life, and, um, this reminded me why I'm a Doctor Who fan, and why Doctor Who's always been there, and. I almost didn't make the show today because I lost a very, very dear friend of mine recently, and that's why I've been kind of incommunicado. And um, this episode kind of helped all of that. And the doctor can... The Doctor, for me, has always made things okay, and I I think this episode quite literally personifies that, and it just makes you realize how many lives the Doctor has actually saved, um, both in the show and for me personally, and this does 
I need to get a five out of five for me and <coughs> Mother Mother Vestra Um Jenny and Strikes were great as always. And was anybody else reminded of Inception during the whole um seance slash dream sequence thing? Ooh. No, but now you mention it. Uh, and of course they went well, we don't want to spoil the film for anybody, but yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I can see where you're going. Um, that's why it worked for me. Um, and it just, I just loved it. Um, and I can't really be articulate because I just, like I said, I just finished the episode like, a minute before I came on the show. <laughs> so I haven't really had the time to process everything. Yeah. But John Hurt, oh my God. And I think I'll just leave it at that. And <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, to to me, I mean, I'll talk later, but I mean, it's like having uh, Derek Jacobi uh, on. On, I mean, well, well the, the the people that have come on Doctor Two have been Diana Rigg last week. I mean, uh, it, it is phenomenal. It just shows the the drawing power, not just to us as viewers, but to to people that want and happy to be associated uh, with Doctor Two. So, yeah, and and we there, there are a few apologies, not apologies, a few um, sympathies. Uh, being mentioned in the text for your your loss of uh, somebody close to you. So sorry for that, Kobo. But uh, as you say, um, things like Dot Two can take one out of oneself somewhat, and um, I, I'm, I'm glad that that's the way it lifts your spirits. And I'm sure you'll get more out of it even with a second and third viewing. So what I'm going to do now is play another clip, and then we'll go to Rick Wall. And, Thank um, you for all the sympathy, guys. I really appreciate it. Okay. Here we go, then. Uh, just over a minute, this clip. I have to go in there. Please. Please. No. This is what I've already done. You've already seen me do it. I'm the impossible girl. And this is why. Whatever you're thinking of doing, don't. If I step in there, what happens? The time winds will tear you into a million pieces. A million versions of you, living and dying all over time and space, like echoes. But the echoes could save the doctor, right? Well, how about that? I'm too flake girl after all. No. Breathe. If this works, get out of here as fast as you can. And spare me a thought now and then. No. Dara. You know what? Run. Run, you clever boy. And remember me. Was it nice that those are the last words she says as she goes in, and those are the words that uh, she's used as she's died a couple of times? Um, and I missed, uh, I'm sorry, I missed out Darth's uh, section that he liked, where the, the speech before that, where the great intelligence is going to go into the, uh, the thing. But... Um, you just can't pick everything out of the thing. Otherwise, 
I'd end up playing the whole episode. We can't have that. So um, <laughs> let's go to Rickwell. Uh, yeah, when she was the Dalek and before she dropped the uh, force shield around the uh, planet, I believe she's told him that. Run you, lover yeah. boy. Uh, as to what Cobalt said, uh, isn't it funny how sometimes uh, music and and television or movies can alleviate pain and and stuff? And, and by the way, Cobalt, if you're still there, I don't have the uh, the page up. Uh, yeah. For the cult, of, uh, I'm sorry about your loss. Um, anyway, back to the episode. My God. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome, Kobo. My God, what a, a uh, restoration of a mediocre, for me, season. Uh, or uh, should I say a vindication of a mediocre uh, um, um, season for me. This episode had everything. And I could not believe it. When when John Hurt came up, I screamed. And <laughs> Daphne came running down like, what's wrong with you? I could not believe uh, they should have had him instead of McCann or Roberts for the for the TV movie. But I am so happy that they have an actor again of of a quality as him in 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 this series. I hope, though, that they haven't written themselves into a corner by saying, okay, everything you've known for the past 50 years are all wrong. Well, now, you know, I don't mind it. If they want to take it a totally different direction, fine. But like I said, Hopefully they, and I think it was Ken who said, I hope they have a good enough ex- explanation for it. And, uh, but uh, hopefully with somebody with the with the acting chops of uh, John Hurt, make him the next <laughs> doctor. I say, but, I mean, <laughs> why not? <laughs> if they can meet his price or he has time, bless him. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, I asked somebody, as a matter of fact, if he was going to be uh, next season's doctor or not, and they didn't know. Um, but well, we uh, don't want any spoilers that are real spoilers. I mean, we don't mind people speculating, but we don't want anybody talking about anything they know for sure, please. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't mind it. Uh, well, surely you could mention, I mean, <laughs> that certain contracts, whether or not they've been signed and things like that, because <laughs> we well, do yeah. know. Matt Smith's coming back. Yeah. Well, yeah. It says, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But what I mean is it's, let's, let's tread lightly, I suppose. I mean, yeah, well, I'm, we I'm saying that it's... because 
there are some. We do know the there's going to be a season eight, and it's going to be Stephen Moffat and Matt Smith, and that they're not uh, going to start production until late this year or early next year. Yeah, but tell me, we, we have a couple of people in the room. We have a couple of people in the room that might have slight insider knowledge. That's what I meant. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want any plot spoilers. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. Uh, but um, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, although I, I thought uh, the uh, what Clara was doing, you know, about being, oh, I'm the impossible girl. I can do this. I should do this. Was more of a, you know. Uh, convincing herself to do it rather than saying, you know, this is why I'm going to do it. Um, But uh, whatever it was, whatever the motive was of her hesitating and saying, you know, I'm the impossible girl, I can do this, I should do this, or whatever, uh, I'm glad she did it. Um, love these effects. Uh, um, uh, don't know why the uh, great intelligent made so many copies of them, and why they were like monstrous of uh, instead of uh, just plain copies or zombieish like copies. Uh, of uh, Dr. Uh, Simeon, but uh, oh well. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I totally enjoyed it. Um, you know, uh, as, I, as I said last week, you know, they should spin off the. Uh, the Victorian crew uh, into another series, uh, but uh, uh, I, and I'd like to see what happens uh, uh, and later in the story. You know, for the second or third or however many parts they're going to stretch it out. Well, you're only going to wait till November. I know, I know, but it's, well, it's still quite a ways away. Yeah, the the uh, the, the things are rampant. Yeah, and um, just for those people in the text chat, I mean, um, yeah, I do try and get us to tread lightly on things, um, but it's invariable that what some people consider as a, a, a you know a, an actual announcement, a press release, uh, can still be spoilerish for people who are trying to avoid such things. So that's why maybe uh, when I was speaking that. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make it clear enough. I apologise to Darth for that. But uh, yeah, it's inevitable that some people that assume things are general knowledge are quite not spoilerish. Can be seen as spoilerish to others. Uh, I know I've kept off quite a few sites recently, but um, hopefully we can move on with the the main things. Is that the end of your contribution? Rick Wall, have you got anything else to add before we move uh, on? Five groans. Ah. Okay. Well, that's a good one to end on. Five out of five. It's pretty good. Okay. Well, uh, we'll be going to Jeff after uh, this little clip. Doctor? Yes? What is it? What do you want? Right from the very beginning. Sorry. 
that you're about to make a very big mistake. Don't steal that one, steal this one. The navigation system's knackered, but you'll have much more fun. Right from the day he started running. Run, you little boy. And remember me. It was an unprovoked and violent attack, but that's no excuse. We are all restored. That's all that matters. We are not all restored. You can't go in there. It's your own time stream, for God's sake. I have to get her back. Of course, but not like this. But how? Is she still alive? It killed Dr. Simeon. Clara's got one advantage over the great intelligence. Which is? Me. Doctor, please listen to me. At least hear me. Now, if I don't come back, and I might not. Doctor! Go to the TARDIS. The fast return protocol should be on. She'll take you home, then shut herself down. There has to be another way. Use the TARDIS. Use something. Save her, yes, but for God's sake, be sensible! How are you even doing that? I'm not really here. You are always here to me. And I always listen. And I can always see you. Then why didn't you speak to me? Because I thought it would hurt too much. I believe I could have coped. No. I thought it would hurt me. And I was right. Lovely scene, as has been mentioned before. Uh, and uh, we'll go... Uh, to Jeff if we may but we've got Mark coming on audio uh, hopefully we can go to Mark after that so uh, Jeff please you've got the floor well you know we've heard so many great comments about this episode already I don't have a lot to add actually to what has been said we've heard a lot of uh, fine things from, from Ken and from Darth from Kobo and um uh, Everyone else has gone, Perry, and um, there isn't much else to add. Um, one, one you can gush. That, You're allowed to gush. Well, I'm allowed to gush, <laughs> you know, but I don't want to <laughs> take up time repeating things that other people have said. But i got to say I love this story from start to finish, and uh, I don't remember who it was in the, in the Altum Facebook, Facebook page. Uh, he said that he rewatched the first part of this uh, before continuing on with the rest of the story, before the the, um, the title sequence. I did the same thing because that was just a lovely scene uh, showing prior doctors and Clara showing up there, and it was just beautiful. Um, I, I wish we could have heard more of the voices uh, at point in. Craig it was, by the way. Craig that put that. I only watched the intro and had to rewind it three times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I did it twice. I watched it twice before pressing, but uh, it was just a lovely scene. Um, I wish we could have heard more of the voices in the dying TARDIS. At one point we heard uh, some of the prior doctor's voices, and on the closed captioning, uh, it did print some of them, but it kind of got muffled by some of the other dialogue, and I wish we could have heard more of that. Uh, it just became indistinguishable uh, from uh, the people talking over that those voices. And we kind of heard that in, in Journey to the Center of the TARDIS as well, some voices from the past. And uh, for most of those, I think we did hear uh, what was being said, but here we didn't. 
would have been nice to have had the full dialogue on that. Um, I, I'm sorry, Jeff. Where were you saying this is that you can't hear the full dialogue? We hear prior doctors' uh, voices. I, I believe it was in the Dying Tardis. Yeah, yeah, the nine. He that thing in the middle, and all of a sudden they're full. Yeah. Full. Oh, that. Let me just tell you. <laughs> listen to it in full surround sound. You do get everything, it, but it is huh. in back channels and everything like that. It becomes well, clearer where you can hear multi-dimensional sound. I'm I, going to need to purchase a multi-surround sound <laughs> speaker system. I'm with you on that. I'm getting so jealous of your sound system, Dart. I tell you. Yeah, this yeah. season, it is amazing. It is just amazing this season, really. But Although, yeah. i yeah. I got to say, in prior stories, I've had trouble understanding some of the dialogue. In mm. this story, other than that, I had no trouble. I, I could... Fully yeah. hear everything. In fact, um, uh, at one point, uh, when, when the kids trick the doctor and, and they go off to the cinema, uh, my wife thought the doctor said those little darlings, and I was certain he said Daleks. <laughs> yeah, and he did. He did. He did. So yeah. again, I had no trouble with the dialogue this time, but I usually it, do, and I have to it, turn on the closed captioning to, to catch it all. The, the one that caught me out was that uh, I thought the doctor had actually said a name. You know, when he's asked, you know, what's your name, doctor? And the doctor says one word, and I couldn't make it out, uh, like no or don't or whatever. And that's the one, of course, when uh, River Song says it silently and the door opens. But I'm thinking, well, oh, the door's opened. He must have said it. And I kept winding back to find out even, what word he uttered. Even that, I, I thought I caught it right the first time, and I did, and the word was please. Ah, uh, right. He said, please. Thank and you. At that exact moment, River also said the, the word. Right. His name. Thank you. Oh, no problem. And guest um, switches. Rip. Yes, said that as well. Thank you. I want to know how DeMarco knew the, the guy in the prison, how to listen to the whispers. I don't know, but one interesting thing that was put in text earlier by someone was... Um, do we think that's Jack the Ripper in prison? Because um, we know that um, the the couple haunted uh, people like that. I don't I know whether that's a... the right time period. Uh, 18, it's ten years after the other story, wasn't it? Uh, the story, the Crimson Horror, was uh, eighteen eighty three. Was it? This was eighteen ninety three. No, no, I believe it was, it was ninety three. Oh, I wonder if. I wonder if. I wonder if Clara, I wonder if Clara now remembers the doctor's name as well because she's remembering journey to the center of the TARDIS. Well, also remember that she was linked with River, so she was present. She should have heard River say it. Okay, and Darth, what was your point? Isn't the guy that they catch... I mean, again, this is a typical Moffat thing of somebody extraordinary in the first act who he just throws away, right? I mean, he does this all the time. But I thought this was the guy... Yes, Jack the Ripper, but I, I thought it was the guy... When we first meet Madame Vastra, isn't she on the hunt for this guy? She's hunting somebody, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought she coach, ate uh, him. The coach. Oh I yes, thought, that's I thought, right. I thought she ate him. Yeah, she, she, yeah, 
Yeah, they yeah. mentioned that she ate somebody. Yeah, he was delicious. Delicious. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, are we to take that literally, or is that just sort of a figurative thing? I, I don't. I don't know. I just thought. It was I, again, so I good. I go love his yeah, Mike's putting something in text about it. Vastra mentioned that she had just dealt with a criminal, and we learnt that was Jack the Ripper. But whether that's the one she ate, or this is another one, I don't know. But I, I thought it was uh, good. She, oh yes, sort of she pushed. said it was. She uh, Tuziko, sorry, is put in. She ate Jack the Ripper. She stated that he was stringy. No, I mean I, I know that that is what is said, but I'm I'm thinking that might be metaphor. You know, sometimes we get into the habit of looking at Doctor Who things and thinking, oh, we're being told exactly what happened, whereas, you know, people do talk in metaphor. They don't really always mean exactly what they say. So I don't know if you could read it that way or not, because I'm not quite – I have to go back and look at that to see. I know it does give a date. Doesn't it give a date over the top of the screen? Yeah, 1893, I thought. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, but for Good Man Goes to War. Oh, it give right, a, sorry. I don't know. I would have I to go back and look. I don't remember. It's an interesting thing to look at. But it does show a pattern, which I think is really interesting, that she is taking cases, apparently, uh, that protect women, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Okay, J- J- Jeff, back on you. Um, Strax had some great lines in this. <laughs> he continues to amuse me. Um, destroying some very pleasant primitives. Great line. Oh, no, not the one with the gigantic head. And uh, another one he said, I, I'm not quite sure what he meant by it. This this he directed to Vastra. Have you gone a darker green? With envy. And she was blushing. Envy. No, she's blushing. Okay. She's blushing yeah. over thinking of the relationship between the Doctor and Clara as initially sexual, you know, okay. companion that one, in that sense. That one went over my head. That's why she changed okay. it to his latest assistant, not his companion. Okay. And she she does actually go more green. Does she? Oh, right. I, 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 didn't yeah. even, I didn't even notice that. In HD, it looks like that, at least to me. Yeah. I'll have to look at that. We all need to watch it again after this episode, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, I, I've already mentioned my my complaint about where in the timeline is this river? Is she the one from the computer, or is she before that? And I, I don't know how how can the doctor touch her if uh, she's from the computer? Doesn't she also says, of course. Does she say it, though? I mean, or is she lying? How can you do this? I'm not really here. Yeah. And these guys are always here to me, and that makes so much sense to me. I don't know. It gets just the impression she might have actually been there. But he also said that no one else was seeing her. So maybe it was all symbolic, like he's touching her because he's always in the, his soul, always there to him. Yeah, uh, it just seems and too it, magical. It I couldn't. It couldn't have been well. She's, I mean, obviously she states she's dead as well, and the only place she's dead is in that matrix in Cal. The other thing is, of course, is while she was alive, each time she met the Doctor, in theory, he knew more about her, and she knew less about him. So this must be the, you know, uh, the. 
strictly Same. adhered to, though. Well, that was it all right earlier. But, I mean, I mean and, she believes she's dead anyway. In a general sense, you're right, uh, but they didn't strictly adhere to that. Okay. I really don't have a lot else to say about this. Uh, it kept my interest all the way through. It was a, a very good story. I, very few plot holes at all in this story. Uh, big difference from last week. Uh, didn't care for last week's. Uh, this was a huge improvement, and I, I think it was a. And, and a lot of people may disagree with me. I think this was a an excellent bookend uh, with Asylum of the Daleks. I love oh, that story agree. as well. Yeah. I love that story as well, and I gave that a, a four and a half, and I'm going to give this one a four and a half. Good. So the niggles only drop you half a half a mark. Good. Yeah. Um, the story was a bit slow at points, but. Uh, it still held my interest, and and I brought it down just a little bit that it was a bit slow, but it's very rewatchable, as Darth said. I'll probably watch it again here sometime this week. I've already seen it twice already, so that, that does say something. Mm. I'm getting upset now because uh, I, I used to have a surround sound system, but mine was the old, the old Dolby. It wasn't the Dolby Digital, so uh, with my current TV, I haven't got a Dolby Digital one, which of course you need with digital TV now. So uh, it looks like that's going to be on my Christmas list. Oh, in actual fact, when I think about it, the, the Doctor Who comes back on the 23rd of November, the day after my birthday. So there perhaps for my birthday, uh, surround sound system is in order. Uh, one uh, other thing, the 7th, 8th, and 9th Doctors really got uh, shortchanged in all the, and the 10th Doctor, you could say as well. Brief. Briefly Ooh, see the. You broke up then, Darth. Couldn't hear that reply. What do you mean the seventh got shortchanged? You had a close up of McCoy's face. He was the most prominently featured. I know, but the scene that they chose was just terrible. Hang on, well, it wasn't because Clara was wearing a very ace like. Uh, no, 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 not ace. The thing I loved about that was that that is a reference to. Oh my God! I can't believe I just forgot the name. Um. Oh, 7F. Um, oh, my Ray. Ray. <laughs> no, 7F is the uh, production. Yeah, I know that. Ray. Was... Ray. That's, that is what Ray was wearing. In, um, in, How what is Delta and Delta and the Bannerman. You know how she was going to be? Delta and the Bannerman. Ah, right. Delta and the Bat- Yes, you're right. Yes. How, how she's with going to be a companion. And that. Yeah. yeah, with the whole leather jacket. It's the exact same sort of leather jacket, the whole and deal. The, it was, the tight black pants, yeah. That was exact. I was like, oh, I, my God. I noticed. Yeah. If you're going to reference anything from the McCoy era, at least reference the one good character out of that whole mess. But do it oh, while oh, you're yeah. in Dragonfire. So. You might upset Jeff there, but. Yeah, but uh, I thought she looked good in that. But yeah, pick more than that to upset me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. but, uh, but, yeah, but 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 Darth, you even you even stated that you know could they not find something better than Dragonfire to put in? Oh, I know. I, I think it's, I think that is Moffat playing with the fans and taking the worst moment in Doctor Who history and showing it. I think that's him saying, "I'm so confident in my abilities." that I will now show you 
the cliffhanger to episode one of Dragonfire, and you're going to like it. And you know what? <laughs> it kind of did. You know? Okay. Well, they were all in, they were all in peril. They were all in yeah. peril, weren't they? Yeah. So the point but, is that those were scenes where they could either be pushed off the cliff by the great intelligence or helped by Clara. They were all all danger zones. Uh, I which would, is why I, I like the fact that we saw the Yeti, by the way, because the, yeah. the great intelligence yeah. was behind the Yeti, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. I would swear, though, and I'm not going to go back and watch Dragonfire just to prove it because I'm not that much of a masochist. But I would swear that the long shot of that McCoy thing fixes Dragonfire because it actually makes it look more dangerous than it was in the original. I think that they added something to the bottom. That they embellished yes. the ice. Uh, I think that they embellished the ice to make it look like it was how it was intended to look. Yeah, that's why I, I agree. Well, I have to go back and check Dragonfire, and I'm not sure I want to do that. No, I think you're right. They showed there's an area of research for you all. Do that. Yeah. I'm probably working up. Sorry. One other thing I'll mention: I, I thought they did a okay. really nice job editing, uh, especially the first and second Doctor scenes, yeah. uh, taking the, those characters out of the scenes that they were in and putting them in to new backgrounds. I thought oh. that was very well done. Okay. And Ian, do you want to reference what that link is you put in? Oh, it's just a picture of Ray. The the, the jacket that Ray was wearing. Sorry. Ah, right. Thank you. I think, uh, I think somebody else put a picture in there, too. Yeah, okay, well... I haven't put, put a picture in there, too. I haven't looked at it yet. Okay, thanks very much indeed, Jeff. I'll play a clip, and then we'll go to Resident Alien. Mark, here we go. I'm inside my own time stream. It's collapsing in on itself. Well, get out then! Not until I've got you. I don't even know who I am. You're my impossible girl. I'm sending you something. Not from my past, from yours. Look up. Look. This is you, Clara. Everything you were or will be. Take it. You blew into the world on this leaf. Hold tight. Take you home. Trust me, Clara, I'm real. Just one more step. Clara! My Clara! And I don't know if there's anybody with expertise in the room that knows who, who does these uh, the sound mixing on Doctor at the moment, but maybe if anybody is able to research that, that would be great. Uh, as we, we listen to what Mark has to say. Hi, Mark. Hi, hi, Dave. Hi, everybody. Um... Oh, gosh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, a fantastic experience for me. Um, I, I've just, uh, incidentally, been to see the new Star Trek film, and this is a sign of how good last night's Doctor Who was. In spite of the fact I was enjoying the film I was watching, I kept thinking about the name of the Doctor all the way through it. It was just, it's just got into my consciousness, and the thing is, when Doctor Who's 
working really well. When any, any CDs, you know, really, you know, a cut above, you walk around and you think about it all the time. It, it, it pervades your whole conscious, whole conscious what you're thinking about it. And then when the people, when, when you're meeting with people that haven't seen it, you kind of want them to have seen it so you can talk to them about it. So for me, it was it was fantastic from that point of view. And it's, it's, I, I feel it's, it's very strange business being a 40-something bloke these days, I think, because it's a little bit like a kind of revised version of your childhood, but slightly better one. I mean, I watched Eurovision last night and we had, you know, a song written by the guys from ABBA. You know, just watched a film, uh, a starter of one with Kirk and, uh, and Spock and McCoy in it. And now I'm watching Doctor Who and I'm seeing um, Tom Baker in there and, and Peter Davison and so on. So it's a very strange experience at the moment for me, being a 40-something bloke. It was a fairly enjoyable experience, really, especially kind of going to decline instead of all, the, all these opportunities to keep reliving my childhood. So that's kind of great. I thought the uh, pre-credit sequence was just sublime, absolutely sublime. And you know, I almost fainted uh, when I was watching that. And uh, I think I probably watched the rest of the episode comatose the first time because I just thought that was so great. Um, one of the things I want to say about that, and I haven't got a lot to add to what everyone else has said, thoroughly enjoyed listening to everyone's comments as usual, but uh, one of the things I'd like to say about that, and I think, you know, really want to kind of big up Stephen Moffat on this one, which is that... Um, when we sort of talk about, you know, are any other, don't worry, no spoilers here, but, you know, when we sort of ask questions about, you know, will we have other actors in um, Doctor Who episodes, will we bring old Doctors back and so on, I think one of the problems is because we as fans are familiar with the actors so much, because Colin Baker, for example, becomes part of fandom, Colin Baker, the person, becomes part of fandom, we start thinking that he really is the sixth Doctor, for example. And what Moffat knows is that the character is the key thing. And what he did here in this episode is he brought back the characters. So we saw the Sixth Doctor. We didn't see Colin Baker. We saw, we saw the Sixth Doctor. That's how it should work. And the thing is, that's why this worked, this episode. And that's why that pre-credit sequence was so good. And why, again, when it, uh, we get it towards the end of the episode, the similar sort of sequence. That's why that works so well in a way that, you know, when you watch, I don't know, um, dare I say, Dimensions in Time. That's why when you watch something like that, it's so completely awful. And, you know, that, that's why, you know, I do think for all the sort of criticisms that people, you know, uh, give towards... Uh, uh, you know, dear old uh, Moffat, you know, I was listening to the Doctor Who podcast the other day and uh, Trev went off on a on a big old rant about how smug he was. And I kind of know what he means about the, the uh, interviews he gives and so on. But nevertheless, I really think he was onto something here. That is the way to do it. That's the way to show them. And to be honest, it really bowled me over because last week we had that montage and I thought, great, here we go again, the blasted montage of all ten doctors you know uh, before matt smith and this time look at that just look at how glorious that was and uh, i sort of danced while i was watching this episode and and i i really admired darth's ability uh and quest to sort of avoid spoilers and i sometimes wish that i had that same uh, drive to avoid spoilers because this last week i did look at the bbc publicity i generally think okay if the bbc are releasing it, it's okay and there's that picture of Clara with the sixth doctor behind her, clearly him in, in, in the in the suit. And it's 
so annoyed me I'd seen it because you can't unsee it. Why are they showing that picture? That was a real frustration to me because then when you, I mean already it was sublime enough uh, that pre-credit sequence, but I think it would have been even more sublime if I knew nothing about it. So that was a disappointment. And you know, and I'd seen other people saying, "Hey, is that Bessie?" And it was Bessie. You know, yeah, that Bessie. Was, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, Gosh, that would have been, you know, but, and it was still wonderful. But, um, you know, I'm kicking myself. Why do I let myself do it? I mean, my wife always says to me, well, why do you do it? Why do you? And I said, I can't help it, you know. So that's it. That is a bit of a frustrating. But, wow, that was, that was great. I, and, and to leap to the end of the episode, I think, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I think that was the best cliffhanger that we've had probably in the whole history of Doctor Who, at least for me. I don't think we've had a better cliffhanger than that. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I got to Seriously? You're telling me that is better than, now without knowing how it ended, that is better than Stolen Earth? Um, that's, that's, that's the only one that I'd say would compete. The, the okay. thing about Stolen Earth, the Stolen Earth it, it is that I was disappointed with the resolution uh, in the okay. next episode. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. When, if that, when that happened, and, and I, would, I, would, it was, I would analogize to the same thing, I spent the whole of the next week thinking about it. That right. for me is how a great... So yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. If we get the crappiest sort of resolution of it in uh, the 50th, then I'll say, okay, yeah, um, it, it's similar to that. But but at this point, I'm thinking, well, that's great, you know. But yes, excellent, excellent, excellent point. And that was very much my uh, feeling at the time. But it's coloured. It's coloured by the fact that I just thought, oh, great. So, you know, you, you look at how they read, you know. I, I didn't like the way that they sorted that out. But yes, that was an all-time fabulous uh, cliffhanger, I agree. Um, one of the things, I, I, I like the way that the comic stuff was done in this. Um, the Strax, Strax kind of comedy worked better for me in this than it did in Crimson Horror. I think probably because the episode was so kind of, uh, I don't know, so 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 um, dark in part and parts. And, and, and the emotion was genuine. I don't know what I know it felt, but, but I mean, I really felt the emotion was genuine in this. I got quite upset. And, and seeing the Doctor uh, on the sofa, and then we get a sofa again. A lot of sofas in Doctor Who recently. We get a sofa... And Clara's not behind the sofa; she's in front of the sofa. And he's really—I uh, I mean, to me, that was—that was—that was the the uh, height of Matt Smith's acting ability. But last week we had the low point for me with the that awful business with the uh, you know acting the two different roles. I tried to watch that episode again the other day. I, I could I could hardly bear it. But but this for me really was you the, thought that was I, awful? I just couldn't bear that acting last week with the uh, with the flipping around. Jumping, you know, backwards and forwards. I just didn't. The, it was the jumping around. I think that's why. I mean, in some parts he was good, but they, they did have him flailing around a bit too much. Actually, I thought it's, that was in, brilliant. That was the best part of that story. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. It's that's really what good. I really like about him. Yeah, I thought his acting. Yeah. 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 But, 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 but Matt Smith is so horrible. tremendous here. I mean, he just breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought he was great. I, I think the things I like him when he's a little more restrained. It's a little bit the same yeah. about Tennant. I like, I like them when you when you actually see the range. I, I, there was something goofy about the thing last week, which which just didn't work for me. But I'm pleased that it does for other people. I mean, these things are very subjective acting performances. Indeed. For me, it just uh, last week it was just oh gosh, what am I watching a bit? But uh, it's good that other people feel feel differently. I must say. Um, 
Not much more to say about this. Um, if I were to say one um, possibly negative thing, I don't know whether this is negative or positive. Maybe it's more of an observation, actually, than, than anything else. I was reading an article in io9. Um, it's written by a woman called Charlie Jane Anders. And she writes, I'll perhaps pop the link in the, in the uh, chat, but she sort of says that she thinks the problem with, with uh, Moffat's theory is that the doctor is the story. The doctor has just become so central to everything. So that rather than it being about you know him going off and saving universes and saving galaxies, saving people and things, it's actually becoming so centered on him. And it bothers her that it has become centered on, on him. And I think, really? I think there's a little bit of something in that. What, what, what I suppose... Uh, well, I, I don't think I don't think it's yet a problem. I think it'd be a problem if we're still doing that in three or four years' time, you know, because it would become utterly tedious. We can't let the whole series become a character piece where we're just analysing his character the whole time, you know. And sometimes we got to that in bits of RTD, you know, sort of Davros, you know, talking to the David Tennant Doctor, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think it, I think it's fine. I think in the 50th year, it's particularly fine to have that as a as a, as a the thing and to explore what it actually means, you know, to be the Dalton, to have these different identities in the past and so on and so on. But uh, I would, I, I think it's, so I think it's, maybe, I, yeah, maybe I'm not making a negative point. Maybe I'm just sort of pointing that out as, as something which is there, but I think we need to move on from in 2014, you know. Well, let me just, I've got to react to that because, I mean, one of the criticisms I've had with Doctor Who recently in the last few years has been how important the companion has been. And I don't mean important in terms of screen time. I mean important as, you know, you're the most important person in the world, you know. Uh, you know, and so, so we've had three companions that are not just companions traveling. Uh, I mean, you couldn't get, a, a, a bigger impact as a companion than than Rose and Donna and you know and uh, I mean maybe the doctors come more central but here again with Clara we've we've had an impossible you know the, there's been a mystery there's been a mystery or a, a, an importance to the companion all through these last three series I thought yeah that's an excellent point actually maybe that's a good sort of counter to that. To that thing, and maybe that's one of the reasons that they've needed to make the companions, you know, that kind of the centre of the universe kind of thing, because the Doctor is becoming ever more, you know, bigger and bigger all the time. But it's in that it was in wasn't it halfway through season six? You know, he, he's he's rising, you know, bigger than ever before, and now he's falling, you know, the fall of his bigger whatever it is. It's that. Well, we had that the, the Doctor victorious, didn't we? Which is why yeah. you know Donna yeah. says you need a companion. I mean, I, th- I thought we'd gone through that phase of the Doctor mm. almost believing his own what's the word the old, his own propaganda, yeah. and, and, that, uh, and he came crashing down, didn't he, with Waters mm-hmm. of Mars and, mm. and so on. So again, I realise yeah. you're, 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 this is not necessarily what you think. It's this article that you've read. Yeah, it's just like, it's one of those things. Sometimes uh, a lot of the reviews that you read, they, they don't do much for me. Every now and then one makes me think, and that one did a little bit. But I think actually your point there is quite a good counterpoint, actually, because, you know, we have had these, uh, we have had these, these companions who are bigger than ever. And that actually, I, I would like to see, you know, a normal companion <laughs> after a bit, you know, just somebody. And... I mean, with Clara, we sort of get that in that, you know, she is just an ordinary girl. But, but I mean, they all start as just an ordinary girl, don't they? I mean, Rose started that way and, and Donna started as an ordinary woman. I'm just a temp and so on. Yeah, so, so it is that same that same. And thing. I think she's going to become an ordinary person again now that we know who she is. There's nothing to mm-hmm. stop her still being the companion, 
but there's no essential mystery here now. Mm-hmm. Yes, that which will be which will be good. I mean, I was wondering. I mean, before this episode, one of my big worries was how on earth are they going to wrap up something as massive as as, uh, as doing this, the Doctor's biggest secret, at the same time as as who is Clara? And, you know, one watches the you know the the, the prequel, so called. You know, you have half of it. You know, he he says she says half of it was uh, was the Doctor saying you know who's she, and the other half was uh, Clara saying who's he, and you know they both sort of found out and so on, and. Uh, you know, I want, how are you going to kind of bring those two things together? But of course, one was kind of the answer to the other, or at least one led to the other. So I think that was just kind of beautiful. I mean, this really was Moffat's best, I thought. I, I, I just love this episode. Absolutely marvellous. And, and I think, uh, you know, several people made the point, you know, the ultimate thing is rewatch value. You know, I don't, I'd be happy if I never have to watch uh, Nightmare in Silver again. This one I want to watch multiple times, you know. And it's been a great season. I mean, with that one exception, I, I've, I've loved it. Loved it all. I think it's absolutely been superb. So, total thumbs up for me. Total thumbs up. Absolutely loved it. Totally loved it. Brilliant. Oh, Thank fine. you very much. And thanks for coming. Uh, and if you missed the beginning, hope you'll listen back to the recording. As, oh, well, uh, yeah, I've got to catch the first half an hour or so again, yeah. Brilliant. And, and we did play that clip from the opening sequence that you so oh, enjoyed. Nice. Okay. Nice. Um, let me just confirm that Ian is available to go because he's he's been rather somewhat quiet for the moment. <laughs> Ian? I'm here. Okay. Uh, I'll play what is in actual fact is my final clip, and then we'll go to yourself. Okay. Never mind. Let's get back. But who is he? It's me. There's only me here. That's the point. Now let's get back. But I never saw that one. I saw all of you. Eleven faces, all of them you. You're the eleventh doctor. I said he was me. I never said he was the doctor. Oh, I don't understand. My name, my real name. That is not the point. The name I chose is the doctor. The name you choose, it's like it's like a promise you make. He's the one who broke the promise. Clara? 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 He is my secret. What I did, I did without choice. I know. In the name of peace and sanity. But not in the name of the Thank you, Mark. Let's put that link in the room. Uh, talking about reliving your, your, your younger years, I just watched uh, uh, John Hurt uh, as Caligula in I, Claudius, which is being repeated on TV at the moment. Uh, Ian? Uh, yes. Interesting you should play that one right before I go, because uh, I did not like this at all. Um, I don't know what I was expecting. I liked the, the bits where we get to see the you know, her interacting with the other doctors, that was kind of cool. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, there's a there's a good reason why we won't do it, because some of them have looked a bit ropey. Um, but I was just, uh, I, I was, let's start off with the things I was glad. I was, I was glad of the resolution of, um, of Clara, mainly because it didn't turn her into some kind of 
godlike uh, you know creature. Uh, when the doctor, I'm assuming, when the doctor comes in and finds her, that she's still the same person that she was, and you know all the rest of the bits of her have have split off and and you know and done all their bits and pieces, and she has vague memories of it. Um, that when we come back, that you know, uh, in the next series, that that um, she will be just, you know, she'll just be Clara. You know, she won't have, you know, seen the entire time vortex. She won't have become, you know, part god. You know, she's just going to be Clara. Of course, now there's plenty of noise in the house in the background. It was all quiet for. Um, but uh, overall, I I was just uh, I was just. Uh, underwhelmed um by the entire thing and the 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 piece that you just played there dave i hated i absolutely hated because it was so incredibly stupid and cheesy where he turns to the camera and then we get and introducing john hurt as the doctor please it was ridiculous was that part of the story though that was was, i took that as being the first of the credits if you know what i mean I just have no idea what that was. Was for the American? Um, it's for BBC America, wasn't it? That's why they did that. Yeah, it, that was that was the thing that got me. Is like, oh yeah, how American of you to say and introduce. It's like we already know the Doctor already said it's you know that's him. He didn't really deserve the title of the Doctor, but you know, did we really need that on the screen? It just. Uh, took me right out of it early and it was the, the, the kind of ruined the entire episode for me it was like okay. sorry I'm, I'm laughing yeah, at what Gars put in uh, 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 I have no feelings whatsoever about John Hurt I would have rather Judy Dench turn around and think oh doctor <laughs> go away to go down <laughs> this is just some old dude with a good go on sorry I, I guess I, I guess this is what you get when um when your your um complaints have been answered is to not have this, you know, uh, finale that, you know, um is too big. Um here we got something yes, you know, with the doctor being taken out of time, et cetera, or you know, rewritten, um, it affected everything, but we did this on a small scale with a small cast and it didn't involve, you know, yeah, planets and, and, and galaxies—it's all well contained. Um, but yeah, just uh, quite low key and uh, didn't really do anything for me, to be honest. Um, it was nice seeing the little bits and pieces of the doctors, as I said. Um, that was um, that was that was cool, you know. Um, but yeah, aside from that, it was it was okay, you know. Uh, like, like, of course, the fact that we may have seen the last of River Song. I don't care whether we do or not, but you know, if if that's it, then that's you know, we we do know that the Doctor sees her one more time before she goes off to the library. Um, where that is, when that is, who knows? Um, but if if this was to be the the, the last moment that we see River Song in, in the series, then it's perfect. It's fine, you know. Um, and again, that is just kind of a low-key kind of deal. Um, so I guess my complaint is, is this is was too low-key? I don't know. Um, you know, my complaint about it's always been like, it's too big, too involved, too confusing, too noisy. Um, let's, let's turn things down. And he did. Um, so you know, what am I complaining about? 
I just didn't really like it that much. It was all right. Um, I'm trying to decide which I'd rather watch more, Nightmare and Silver or this again. Um, it's, 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 it's a tough decision. Um, yeah. Uh, Drax was good. Drax was good. <laughs> he, likes, he likes to go to Scotland to fight the natives. <clears throat> uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, yeah, really, 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 really hated the ending because it's just so incredibly cheesy and how how you know American of you to to do this whole turning to the camera and and putting a introducing da 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 da. da. Sorry. That's it. <laughs> so that's that's it. That's that's enough. You'll hear more on the on the commentary, I'm sure. So yeah, that's that's my bit. Okay. Well, people, um, normal service will be resumed now because I'll start talking. Please put your ratings in text chat. I thought it was marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. I really enjoyed it. Uh, first five out of five from me for the series. And um, this episode, if you'll excuse the pun, was no souffle. Because it had plenty of content, plenty of body, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I've got a feeling there may well be a situation where this is one of those episodes that uh, if you're uh, a viewer of the classic series, whether you watch them when they actually first went out, or whether you're a fan and have bought the DVDs and so on, but whether you're actually somebody who's steeped in the classic side of Doctor Who as well as the new one, maybe there was more in this for those people. Um, uh, I don't know whether there's a divine. Maybe uh, I mean we do have younger listeners here in the in the collective, but maybe people that have only watched Doctor Who from 2005 and have never gone back and looked. I never saw the Tom Baker years that were the most prolifically shown in the states and so on. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have got as much out of it. But I think that there was enough there maybe to pique their interest. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I, I don't think there was a an off note in the whole thing, except I will agree with Ian that, that um, uh, when I saw that, I, I took that as being the sort of first bit of the, the credits, and I thought, you know, that's the marketing department won't sell in. You know, we pay for John Hurt. We're going to tell everybody that old man there, if you don't recognise him, is John Hurt. You know, a little bit like Kobo not knowing who, now who was that guy. David, what was it? David? No, I won't <laughs> cowboy any more on that one. Um, I thought it, it was excellent. Uh, um, we saw Bessie. I think it was good that I mentioned again that the Yeti was in because I think that relates back to you know the the underground episode which the Great Intelligence was supposedly behind all that. Um, um, loved the the acting. Uh, I do prefer I'm with Mark and a few others on this. I think. Um, uh, he, he can do the old brilliantly. He can do the the, the dour faced, and he can do the serious. Uh, I'm not quite so so keen on. Uh, well, I was never keen on the ninth doctor when he did the the you know the gurning face. Uh, I, I do feel as though he can do age. I thought it was actually brilliant. I like the idea that the 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 TARDIS was his gravestone. Love the idea that it would be leaking out, and therefore its size, you know, the the internal size is stretching it. So, you know, it's this massive monument on this hill. Um, loved everything about it. Loved the the uh, the um, the the interpretation of his timeline, as it were, as the central column. Um, I don't think I've got a single bad word to 
to say about the whole episode, which to me, I don't know, I think this is my favourite episode since going back to, what, maybe The Impossible Astronaut? Um, and I, yeah, I would think, I think this is probably the best episode from The Impossible Astronaut, although, of course, I've still got firm favourites of Utopia and Blink and uh, Gridlock, but I think this might actually be my favourite episode now. So, I loved it. I'll be saying more on the commentary and I'll try and keep any negative thoughts from Ian's head. And I've got a feeling, although I know Ian rewatched this just prior to doing this recording now, uh, maybe by the time we're doing the commentary and this is his third watch, he will be picking out the fact that he should like it. <laughs> I'm telling him to. And well, there will be wine involved, so, you know. Yeah. And, and, and just, uh, I'll set an audio. Hopefully Mike can get... Uh, to uh, input quickly as possible on this because we would like to get the commentary out as soon as we possibly can. Absolutely, that's it. Um, uh, I want to thank a great number of people in the room. We're probably going to wrap up unless anybody puts something that they've got to say uh, very quickly, either in text or interrupts Ian, as Ian may well want to read out some of the uh, Ratings, not many ratings gone in yet, so please quickly, especially those people that weren't on audio, put their ratings in. So back to you, Ian, to, to lead us out. Oh, somebody wants to come in there. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt because there was one thing I forgot. Talking again how, about how this was such a good wrap-up for the entire season and not just the um, Clara half of it. You played the clip, and I totally forgot to mention it. The thing about... Uh, the great intelligence saying how the doctor was getting darker and how, you know, you got basically the uh, um, Madame Vastra being the voice of fandom saying, oh, we hate, you know, the doctor's not bloody. The doctor doesn't, you know, uh, kill people. And then the great line back from uh, the great intelligence being, oh, yeah, go ask Solomon. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was great because that was one of the lingering problems with you know, episode, what would that be, episode three and episode four, I guess, of the season. Or no, and the two and three. Spaceship, yeah. And, and the um, the Western as well. Uh, but I thought it was great how we, right, I thought it was great how we just um, dropped that in and therefore explained, well, yes, actually, the Doctor is getting doc darker, and yes, he will kill people, but maybe you just haven't seen it because you weren't around at the time. Uh, just, that was lovely. Just lovely. Excellent. Anybody else want to make a, a quick, you know, uh, piece that hasn't been already covered once? Uh, uh, and we're still, I don't know, Ian, if you've seen many ratings. Guest 22 has just come in the room. We're just about to wrap up. I realise Ian will probably want to stop at the top of the hour. It's five to the hour now. So um, uh, have you got anything to read out, Ian? Um, I was just going through and looking. Uh, uh, let's see, Carte Blanche, uh, three out of five. But far from great. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully Clara will now get a personality. We're series eighty-seven. Uh, Supper seven. It chokes uh, me wine. Four point four point seven five. Uh, uh, Pyrophile uh, gives it a six out of five from for me. Gallifrey and Math. Uh, let's see. Uh, some Doctor Jeff gives it uh, four and a half out of five. Cybob four out of five. Time Lord 2525, 25, 4 out of 5. Uh, guest 6 gives it 5 naked civil servants out of 5. 
Uh, Tom Baker's Oscar, five out of five, easy for me. Uh, Doctor Who doesn't get any better than this, and a perfect episode. Uh, I've been told to stop being a grouch. Uh, <laughs> Willis Girl gives it a five out of five. Uh, let's see, uh, Subsum, 1.75. Uh, S. Michael, 68, gives it a four out of five. Uh, Dar says, I think Ian has reasonable objections. Thank you. At least somebody knows what I'm going on about. And I'm not just insane. And Enterprise Who's about 4.75. I give it about two and a half, three out of five. And I think I've got everybody. If I missed anybody, I'm terribly sorry. Um, so hard to catch them as they, they, they go scrolling by. So, yeah. Uh, can I just say before you wrap up, just in case anybody is unsure, next week... Um, uh, we thought we'd, uh, Ian, Ian won't be with us. He'll be uh, at uh, a convention, yeah. hopefully meeting up with uh, old friends. But um, what we thought we'd do is do, uh, uh, you know, as was mentioned, I think, by, uh, um, was it Mark in one sense, uh, some people may want to reassess what they thought about some of the earlier episodes uh, with regard to, you know, the, the way that things have been addressed, wrapped up and so on. So next week we'll... Um, we'll do um, about Series 7, Part 2, and we'll also try and get some way of um, a few of the people that have seen Star Trek. Um, uh, try, we may well try and have a, a midweek show or something. I'll, I'll try and sort that out with Ian. Uh, and then, of course, we'll have lots of varied topics between now and November. So those who are new to us here today, no, don't just abandon us because Doctor Who is over for a while. We'll be talking Doctor Who next week. Yeah. Plus, we've also got to uh, we've got to catch up on the uh, the um, the BBC specials, the um, um, Doctor's Revisited. So I don't know if you already said that or not. Uh, and I was just reading what Mark put. Uh, yeah, I started drinking when I was watching Eurovision last night, 3 p.m. Here <laughs> makes the song sound much better. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Mike uh, put some chat that he might be able to meet up with me next uh, next week. Oh, that'd be fantastic! That would that would be fantastic. Then we can both shake Colin's ball's hand, and then when he goes home, you'll have to see him again. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for joining what, us today. What's Colin's ball hand? Hmm? <laughs> Colin's ball. <laughs> Colin's ball. What? Colin's Colin's ball. Colin's ball. I think he, he made a slight move there. Ball hand. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't um, move that well. It's Friday again, isn't it? <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> oh dear! Wrap up while we're ahead. Ian's made more mistakes than me today. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I, I seem to be um, on the on the outside looking in today, anyway. So, all right, <laughs> that's enough carry on for. The, today. Um, join us all next week. We'll be reviewing uh, the entire uh, half of the season. Um, so, yes, uh, see you all then. Until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody.